0: quantum mechanics
1: yes we are the quantum mechanics the paranormal podcast for the believers the doubters and everyone in between we are coming to you from a unusually warm and sunny pre-easter britain in the southern part of the isle and i it's its made me quite cheerful
0: i think oh it was lovely you know what i i spent a good few minutes, sat on the grass, looking at blue sky and clouds. It was lovely. It's Done very good. Did, did you see any uh forms in the clouds? Uh, no, I, I was so relaxed, I didn't even be asked with paradoilia. <laughs> it's well, paradoilia, isn't it? <laughs> it?
1: It is. I was going to make a really weak joke about, like, patterned paper coasters, but, yeah, it's not <laughs> worth it. Yeah, we'll, no. we'll just skip over they, that.
0: My, para- my pa- paradoilia was uh, they look like clouds.
1: Ah, nice. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it it has been very lovely, and I think that it's it's sort of a nice start to British summertime
0: and a whole new summer series of uh, paranormal things. Indeed, and you know what? It's interesting that we're talking about you know blue skies and. Things kind of feeling like they're getting a little bit back to normal because I've been thinking about what I want to do when all this lockdown craziness ends, Ben. Well, obviously, have a pint—that's the main thing. Pint, meal out. Oh yeah, meal uh, out. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: But one one thing that's been going through my head, uh, which has that there is a connection to today's theme, is I've been thinking about I'd quite like to go to the theatre. Now, oh, yeah. I'm not a massive, massive theatre buff, but the idea of sitting with a group of people watching real people on a stage rather than ploughing through Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, it just seems really appealing right now. And just a little mm-hmm. interval drink, the whole thing, just watching something out of this world, a big production on a live theatre stage, I'm, I'm weirdly pining that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that, and so that got me thinking. You know, theatres have been closed for most, if not all, of this pandemic, and I thought uh, how eerie it must be in those venues at the moment. I don't know if you've ever been to in an empty theatre or a concert hall. I kind of concert halls more than uh, and gigs, rather than theatres necessarily, but there is something intrinsically spooky about being in those places when there's no well hardly anyone in them They're, they are quite weird i don't know why mm.
1: they are well I, I i think also to go alongside the fact that it's like a big echoey building is that there are so many like rumors and superstitions associated with acting and yeah there is always that talk so uh, Obviously, I know it was made famous in Blackadder, but people don't like to talk about the Scottish play and that has paranormal undertones. There's a lot of ghostliness. Well, Phantom of the Opera. I mean, that is literally a play about that.
0: Yeah, well, and uh, I nearly said it. I nearly said the Scottish play out loud, which would have been terrible. But yeah, that as well. Um, And also all those weird actory things of not saying good luck using the term break a leg and all that stuff there is there's superstition as well as paranormal right that is true that is true i I just have to say
1: um, i'm kind of proud of learning this but do you know where the break a leg
0: comes from well it's funny you said that because i did i knew we were going to do it isn't related to this topic but i did have a little google today Ah. and, and and i didn't really get a clear answer there were there were a number of different ones i'd be interested to see what what you've come across
1: uh well i believe that the device that is used for opening the curtains which is a lever that is a big lever because the curtains are heavy is called a leg so the idea is you get a load
0: of curtain calls i then you go break a leg and i did read something like that but then read something else that said no that is a myth oh right um it actually the the version I read it connected to a German word that was something to do with the air force or military that originally uh, originated from uh, a Yiddish word. So I I I don't know I don't know. And, and in the in the version I saw, which has come from this this kind of Germanic phrase, uh, it was because the phrase sounds similar to break a leg which is why it came about but there are a few i like your one better i think your one best is better because at least it ties it back to the theater right well
1: it sort of it sort of makes sense because um it's a good thing to wish to somebody for you know i hope your performance is so great that you have many curtain calls is a lot more awkward to say, I do hope turns. you fall
0: over and cause yeah. yourself a terrible injury. Yeah, well, you're right. So there are all these superstitions about the theatre and obviously, as you said, Phantom of the Opera, there's been many performances which are based around ghosts and the paranormal. But today I wanted to focus on reports of haunted activity in Britain's theatres that took place off the stage. Uh, I'm going to go through some of Britain's haunted theatres and some of the stories that have taken place in them.
1: Okay, that sounds fantastic.
0: Well, I I, I was amazed. So there are a wealth, as you would imagine, in in theatrical circles, you know, these amazing old buildings with huge histories. There are ghost stories coming out of your ears but i really going to focus on just a few i just picked some of my favorites really rather than try to rank them or put them in order so i've just picked a few let's talk about it we may do another one of these these are all based in britain so uh, i know there are a lot of haunted theaters in the states in canada all over the world so we we may if this goes well we may do a follow up right ben mm, absolutely so let's start with the Royal Drury Lane Theatre and uh, a ghost there called The Man in Grey. So London's Drury Lane has a reputation as one of the world's most haunted theatres. Good start, right? There's the spirit of the Regency-era comedian Joseph Grimaldi. I'm going to come on to him a little bit later because his story is amazing. But he's not the Man in Grey, but he he is said to haunt the Drury Lane, but I'll come on to him in a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to start with the fearsome figure known as the Man in Grey, who is seen patrolling the upper circle of the Drury Lane Theatre. The ghostly Man in Grey is seen dressed in a powdered wig, grey cloak and a three-cornered hat. He tends to appear during the day, often crossing from one side of the upper circle to the other and then melting into a particular wall. Whole casts of actors over the years have reported seeing the ghost. Who the man is remains a mystery, although when the theatre was renovated in the 1870s, builders have said to have broken into a secret room behind the wall he disappears into as a ghost um, and inside, they found a skeleton that had been stabbed to death and surrounded by a grey cloth. Hmm. Oh, I, when I researched that, I did. Uh, maybe I'm missing something, but I'm not sure how you tell if a skeleton has been stabbed to death. Uh, I suppose,
1: like forensically, you could say knife wounds to the bones
0: maybe the bones yeah it was eighteen seventies, so you know it's not like csi is it back then but we'll go with it yeah. right we'll go let, with it.
1: Let, let's let's take
0: it as red yeah <clears throat> however it's not all doom and gloom the man in gray is said to herald a successful run at a theater so producers are usually quite pleased to see him that's great isn't it so you know you get the excitement of seeing a ghost And if you're the producer of the play, you go, yes, we've got a success on our hands, which is fantastic.
1: No, that that is quite good. (laughs) Although I like the fact that he has particular premonition powers around box office takings.
0: Yeah. Everyone's a critic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, he's he's, he's obviously been seen over the years, but in more modern times, actors have experienced paranormal activity in the theatre. Notably, the cast of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I love that story. But yes, yeah, so the cast of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which I think is a musical, right? Hmm, I, think. I think so. Yeah. Um, one actor, Clive Carter, says while he was putting on his makeup backstage, he was conversing with a fellow actor, and the TV set in the corner of the room started to change channel on its channels on its own. He says it happened when we started talking about the Drury Lane ghosts. We got the channel back. But as soon as we started talking about the ghosts, it happened again. There wasn't even a remote. Fellow cast member, Nigel Planer. Oh, what a man. Many of you all know him from The Young Ones, but what a great actor he is, right? Yeah, he's he's, he's a legend, yeah. Um, I love this as well. He describes himself as a sceptic believer, which... It's kind of what we are, really, aren't we? We're sceptic believers. That's a good description. Absolutely.
1: That's the way we picture ourselves.
0: Yeah. He says of the theatre, when you're in here at night after a show, when everyone's left and the only thing on is the blue light above the stage, I challenge anyone not to be spooked. Hmm. So, yeah, so there's this ghost who wears this grey I don't know, he's seen Man in Grey. I guess he's wearing the grey thing that he was uh, apparently murdered in and buried in a wall. Uh, And he's been seen by many, many actors and weird paranormal activity has gone on at the Drury Lane for many years, which uh, is quite spooky.
1: Yeah, so he, he doesn't sound malevolent in any way. He's sort of... no. And to be fair, this seems like... And, and I guess you'll come on to it, but this does seem like a common theme of ghosts that haunt theatres tend to be sort of like proactive advocates of the arts. I mean,
0: that... Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually, I've got a story later which takes that to the complete extreme. Oh, yeah, wow. absolutely right. You know, there doesn't seem to be... I mean, there's a few kind of sinister ones comes up, but there's nothing really like... It, kind of crazy which i like you know i was thinking the other day and we may do an episode on this about kind of humorous ghosts they're always so bloody miserable aren't they do you know what i mean so i like the fact that even the ghosts of theater folk are, are got a vest, uh, kind of you know a genevieve genevieve no verve for life yeah i've, I've got my quotes completely a joie de vivre. that's the one i was looking for yes they've got a joie de vivre for life people in the performing arts even the ghosts which I like yeah yeah let's move on to uh another one of London's great theatres Sadler's Wells which I I, I don't know if you've been Ben but what a lovely building that is. I I have things. yeah and it is pretty spectacular oh. yes yeah so I briefly mentioned earlier that the ghost of Joseph Grimaldi uh was said to haunt the Drury Lane theatre But he's arguably more famous for haunting another of London greats theatrical venues, Sadler's Wells. Um, This guy has an amazing story. I'd not heard of him, but he is a bit of a legend generally, ghost or not. Uh, So let me give you a little bit of background about him. So Joseph Grimaldi was born on the 18th of December 1778 he made his stage debut when he was just three years old, performing with his father at Sadler's Wells Theatre. This bit is going to blow your mind. Later (laughs) in his career, he developed a character with a white-painted face that was part idiot and part cunning rogue. Though not the first example of a clown, certainly Grimaldi shaped what we know in modern times as a quintessential clown. In fact, he is widely referred to as the father of modern clowns okay oh, and, and I have not a photo, but we've got an artist' impression of what his character looked like. Jeez, you can see why you know modern day clowning, if he was one of the forebearers of it or foref- founders of it why you've got this mixture of something that's kind of funny and entertaining and absolutely terrifying because uh, his makeup and appearance is pretty damn scary it makes pennywise look like a you know the easter bunny it's <laughs> it's quite full on um so we will put uh those images in our photo album that we publish on facebook to accompany every episode the, so go to our Facebook page at TQM Podcast, like and follow while you're there and have a look at the photo album because the picture of Grimaldi is, yeah, see what you think. So Grimaldi, yeah, he's, he's basically the father of the modern day clown and he made regular appearances at Sadler's Wells and during the early 19th century was the theatre star performer. So he was the headline act. On one occasion in 1807, a deaf and dumb man in the audience found Grimaldi's act so hilarious, he regained the power of speech, shouting out, <laughs> what a damn funny fellow. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm, not sure, I, I'm not sure you can say deaf and dumb man now, but it was 1807, so I guess you mm-hmm, can get away with mm-hmm. it. But yeah, he regained the power of speech and shouted out, what a damn funny fellow, because he found this guy's act so funny um grimaldi died on the 31st of may 1837 he was buried in saint james's churchyard on penterville road a short walk east from king's cross railway station the churchyard was later deconsecrated and today a part of it survives as joseph grimaldi park which i didn't know and i must have walked past it at some point because i know that area quite well um Grimaldi's grave survives there also where it can be easily identified by the hollowed-eyed comedy and tragedy masks attached to the railing. So the classic theatre image of the smiling face and the frowning face. Right, yeah. As for Grimaldi's spirit, that supposedly lingers as well. So here comes the ghostly bit. Tales from both Sadler's Wells Theatre and the Drury Lane Theatre state that Grimaldi's face is... Eerily painted in his white makeup, has been seen to appear in the theater boxes. He reportedly gazes down on the stage, watching the performance over the shoulders of audience members as they sit in the dark, unaware of the apparition silently floating behind them. Interesting, terrifying, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, I, it I, would be. I, yeah, I, I'm not so terrified. For actually, I mean, it would be terrifying for the people who are sat in those lovely boxes watching the the theatre action to have a floating clown face behind you. But it's got to be even more spooky for the actors on stage, right?
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. I mean, that is not what you're expecting, and
0: that would certainly put you off your uh, stride, wouldn't it?
1: Well, yeah, you're going to forget your lines with that one. Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't seem like he's that interested in
0: pushing the arts if he's going to be that quite quite so scary. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe he doesn't realise he's still in... Maybe he, maybe he thinks he's taken his face paint off. He hasn't realised he's still got it on. Oh, right, um, yeah, yeah. But he... Uh, yeah, he's certainly a legend... There's another. I mean, if you're an actor looking up and seeing that, no wonder they call it corpsing, isn't it? When you when you forget your lines, you would. Yes. You? Yes. Um, Grimaldi's ghost has also uh, may also haunt his grave. A few years ago, Chris Halton from Haunted Earth visited the grave and recorded what he thought might be the spirit voice of the great clown himself. So, as I said, we've we've got a Facebook album which will have a photo of Grimaldi in. We'll also put links to chris horton's video and evp that he recorded i've listened to it a couple of times i'm not convinced it's the voice of a spirit but Mm -hmm. you you go and have a look at our facebook album make your mind up it it, you know when you you hear those evps and people go could you hear that and you go oh no that just sounded like you know what i mean and you can't work out what it is Mm -hmm. it's one of Mm -hmm. those And uh, Chris Halton has put subtitles up, which seems to suggest that the voice is responding to questions that he's asked of the great clown. But uh, I'm not convinced. But go and have a listen uh, yourself via our Facebook album. Uh, I'll put it in the picture with the picture of Grimaldi. But, yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of that story. The man who really invented the modern-day clown and haunts two theatres at the time
1: unless he's part of the
0: looky likey spooky agency that we talked about before yeah
1: (laughs) I, i i do i still think it's weird that um like we've spoken about this a number of times but like I think it's odd that he chooses to come back with all his face paint and stuff. Like, maybe he thinks he's on stage or something, but you'd think, like, he would just come
0: back more more plainly attired. Yeah, yeah. Unless, you know, unless there's this thing that maybe without... You wouldn't know who he was without his face paint. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's an ego thing. Oh, he likes yeah, to okay. be recognised. Because I guess that's the thing with a clown, right? If you've got all that makeup on, you could be in the supermarket and nobody would know who you were, right?
1: Mm, yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah.
0: Um, let's move on to another of London's uh, theatres, the Lyceum Theatre.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So in the 1800s, A couple who were enjoying a performance at the prestigious Lyceum Theatre got more drama than they were hoping for. The couple, who were seated in the balcony, looked down into the stalls to see a severed head looking up at them. The head was sat in a lady's lap. The woman herself seemed blissfully unaware of the macabre presence. I mean, again, imagine you're in the... You're in the uh, the circle, you look down into the stalls and there's a severed head looking up at you. You wouldn't know if it was part of the show or or a ghostly apparition, would you? No, although like, if it was part of the show, that's a fairly brave... <laughs> a brave move and good effects it's... in those days, yeah. in the 1800s. Yes, precisely. Now, some have claimed the ghostly head belonged to a man who once owned the land on which the theatre stands. The man was apparently beheaded for treason. Now, I found a few versions of this story in my research. Uh, They do bits of the facts do slightly differ. They all share the same bits about the couple who see the severed head in the stalls and they're in the circle. Maybe it was an early 18th century uh, 1800s ploy to sell the more expensive circle tickets rather than the stalls I don't know there is a version of the story which says that the couple who saw the apparition at a later time were on a tour of a stately home and they saw a painting in which they recognized the image of a man they were convinced was the same ghostly headless entity they'd come across during their night at the theater and when they asked about the painting, they were told it was a man who had been beheaded for treason. So, I don't know, that bit of the story is not in all the the versions that I've seen. It's a nice, it seems a bit too good to be true, really, I think.
1: Yeah, but I, like I think with all of these stories, there's an embellishment to make things
0: keep going yeah
1: yeah keep going and appear more reasonable within the context of the story that it is part of
0: yeah yeah um so yeah i so i guess with grimaldi and this one that's a couple of sightings of at least faces or floating heads so that seems to be a bit of a theme if you've got a theater in london Mm mm-hmm So I'm going to move away from London. I'm going to move to Scotland. And the Edinburgh Playhouse, or I guess for you in America, it's Edinburgh, they say in America, isn't it? But it is Edinburgh. So the Edinburgh Playhouse, uh, this is taken, I've taken it from an article that was in the Edinburgh News last year by someone called Liam Sutton, because it's quite a good account. And they did some good interviews of modern-day witnesses of this Uh, so i'm going to take it from the article so this spooky tale starts in the 1950s when as one version of the story goes police were called to a reported breaking at the theater a young officer dispatched to investigate found the stage door open and went inside to check and secure the building on level six he met an old man who introduced himself as albert the stage doorkeeper After he completed a fruitless search, the constable took his leave and headed back to Gayfield Square Police Station. The old man assured him he would lock up the premises. The next day, the policeman called in to the playhouse to ensure there had been no further problems. He explained to a young guy looking after the stage door that he had been called out the night before and spoke to Albert. The ashen-faced stage door man explained to him that Albert had died some years earlier. And the theatre had been empty all last night. Ooh. Some version of this story say there was never a call made to the police station reporting a break-in and that the officer had been somehow summoned there by the ghost of Albert. But I don't think you need that bit of the story, just the fact that he met this guy who was a ghost. But there are... Yeah. No, absolutely. That's a really good story. That's in the 1950s. Uh But... This article is from last year and they interview people who'd worked in the theatre in more recent times with some spooky tales as well. So more recent examples of Albert's ghostly presence are recounted by Keith Donald, who is or was at the time of the article, which was last year, the latest stage doorkeeper. So he carries on Albert's tradition of the the same role. Uh, Keith explains... One night I'd gone all the way up the North Tower and across the stage and as usual my dog Meg was with me. I was just about to go up the steps of the South Tower when I realised Meg wasn't with me. I looked back and she was just sitting there staring. I went back and tried to encourage her but she wouldn't move. So I put on her lead and tried to get her to come with me but she literally went rigid. She looked at me then to the top of the stairs and then back at me and she started moaning and whining that was enough for me the south tower didn't get checked that night they know don't they they know they've got they can sense this presence so keith had more chilling encounters with albert's ghostly presence he continues one day i just stepped into the foyer and i just felt something there was no way to describe it other than i knew i was being watched In those days, all the lights in the theatre were kept on overnight. What happened next, Keith described as the most frightening experience of his life. There are two sets of doors from the foyer to the auditorium, and there is a light between them, he explained. As I approached the first set of doors, I realised it was dark between them. I went to investigate, but as I got closer, the light suddenly came on. Chills began to run down my spine as I realised that the darkness which had blocked the light had moved into the auditorium. The closer I got to it, the further it receded. Terrified by this time, I was determined to find out what it was that so forced me to go into the auditorium. The stage right box was lit as normal, but the stage left box was shrouded at about 5% of its usual output. And I got an awful feeling that something didn't want me there. So he just sees this I don't know, dark entity. It's it's not even an entity, it's I don't know how you describe it. It's like a apparition. Something that's yeah, apparition that sucks the light out of the place.
1: Is it it that to me feels like perhaps um it's not an anti-sort of theatrical thing. It's almost, excuse me. It's almost like it's the ego.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there there is a, another story from somebody who works at the theatre uh, recently. So supporting Keith's claims that Albert likes to roam his domain in peace when the playhouse is deserted comes from then-maintenance manager Billy Kappner. He explains, I remember once I got a call to fix a leak on level 9. That's basically an attic that runs across the auditorium. No one goes there except us. When I got there, both manual and emergency lighting wouldn't work, so getting my torch out, I found the leak. The minute I knelt down to fix it, I had this weird feeling that someone was leaning over me, crushing me and watching what I was doing. I've never fixed a leak so fast in my life. When I got back to the office, I asked who had reported the leak. To this day, we haven't found out. Okay, that's quite weird. And that ties in with uh, the part of the tale earlier in the 1950s with the uh, police constable being called out to go and sort out the burglary and meeting Albert. And then finding out that no one had contacted the police station to report anything at all. Right, yeah. So it seems that those two bits of the story do seem quite similar.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, spirits taking on a caretaker-y kind of role.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, The next one I've got is just... I can't work out if it's 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 a little weird but it's it's really it's quite sweet I think and I've got a weird jot to go along with this one as well so this is about Bath's Theatre Royal and what they call the butterfly spirit so the Theatre Royal in Bath is home to the so-called phantom butterfly although it is not a spectral the phenomena definitely seems to have a supernatural element in England, one does not normally see a butterfly during the freezing cold months of December. So true. I saw a few today. Um, but at Christmas time in 1948, a new pantomime was being rehearsed in the theatre. The director, Reg Maddox, planned for a spectacular butterfly ballet scene to be included, and he built a large butterfly set piece which would be used. One day, a dead tortoiseshell butterfly was discovered on stage. Shortly after, Reg Maddox died, and his son Fred took over as director. Fred decided he would drop the ballet scene that his father had so meticulously planned, and then from then on nothing seemed to go well with the production. Until, during a rehearsal one day, a live tortoiseshell butterfly was seen flying round the feet of the dancers – at this point, the production's fortune suddenly improved and the show went ahead and was a great success. Now it is said that a live butterfly is seen on stage at some time during the run of every successful pantomime in the theatre. The most famous occasion was in 1979. The phantom tortoiseshell phenomena was witnessed by hundreds of people, including hard-headed journalists. Brilliant. This, Leslie Crowther was playing Wishy-Washy in the performance of Aladdin when a butterfly alighted on his shoulder during a performance. After the panto was over, Leslie Crowther went in front of the curtains and told the story of the butterfly to the whole audience. The butterfly set piece can still be seen in the theatre's fly tower, where it's kept as a reminder of the story of the phantom butterfly.
1: Okay, that's pretty interesting, because um, when you look at accounts of people who um sort of say that they ask for a sign from a dead loved one one of the most common things is a butterfly alighting on their body or nearby yeah and you know the the other one is a feather which is a a fairly well-known trope but yeah i think that's really interesting in such a confined environment that a theater is yeah it's quite difficult and in the winter Uh, Yes, in the winter, yes. But it's quite hard to get a butterfly in. I think, like, the only thing that I would say is, if one was to kind of look at, yeah, like, actors tend to be, as I've said, uh, sort of uh, superstitious creatures, which is fair enough, because what they have to go through every night. And the theatre itself... Is a warm and dark environment usually, and I could see that that might confuse you, you know a caterpillar and it pops right, out right. at the wrong time With the so light. yeah true, true. The, like there's that level of skepticism, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the fact that it was so important that it's entered into sort of the common parlance of uh luck in. Theatres, I think, is fascinating. Uh, you know, there's that means there's more to it.
0: Yeah, I was slightly worried though that because at first I was thinking so Reg Maddox, he 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 developed this butterfly ballet thing for his uh his panto, and then he dies. And I, I read and his son took over. I thought, oh, that's so sweet. And then the first thing he does is axes that bit that his dad spent all that time developing, which slightly worried me. <laughs>
1: Well, I think with with actors and performers, there's an ego thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's probably not disrespectful. It's just like he's thinking, "Well, it's my it's my
0: show now. It's just my show now." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, do you want to hear my weird jot about this story? Of course, I do. I love jots. So They're my favourite reg- regular listeners will know that ben and i if we have little weird things that happen like nothing major but if we have them we tell each other them on the podcast so i was researching this story this afternoon and i kind of got it down just finished and i thought i've got a bit more to do i really want a cup of tea so i took a break I walked out to the kitchen to get a cup of tea and my son said to me, oh, I've done my good deed for the day today, Dad. And I said, oh, what's that? He said, there was this lovely butterfly that was stuck in the garage. So I opened the garage door and let it out. Okay, that's quite weird. That is weird, isn't it? The timing, it's not weird that butterflies are out today. It's a lovely sunny day. It's start of spring. But the fact it was literally as i entered the kitchen after writing down this story i thought was quite odd
1: yeah no the the timing is bizarre
0: yeah yeah really weird
1: okay that is really sweet and and yeah i think there's no reason to doubt that yeah it could just be coincidence
0: but um (laughs) we do get a lot of jots yeah and like like we've said before regular listeners will know it's you know they're not they're not crazy stories they're just like that one i'm researching a story about how this butterfly is on this uh such an intrinsic part of this theater and that's the first thing my son says to me i've just saved this butterfly from the garage which really odd yeah no i like it let's move on uh to a theatre which uh, I guess some would say has had a slightly turbulent or even cursed past. And that's the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester.
1: I don't know of, this one. This is interesting. No,
0: well, let me, let me give you a little background about it. So the Royal Exchange Theatre is located right in the middle of Manchester City centre. The original construction was knocked down to make way for the more modern version in 1806 and was enlarged in 1847, and finally made way for the current building in 1874. A bomb dropped in Manchester Blitz in 1940 during World War II took its toll on the building, destroying half the theatre. The building remained empty until the mid-1970s, when it was finally used as a theatre again, so it got refurbished and resurrected. However, in 1996, a 3,300-pound IRA bomb exploded less than 50 metres away and caused considerable damage, which took £32 million to repair. The refurbished building was opened once again in 1998. So the building has been partially destroyed on multiple occasions, some for refurbishment, once in the Blitz, once in the 90s. and there's also been multiple ghost sightings there Uh, reports say that one of the creepiest places is the wig room an unhappy female spirit is said to throw items around in there and she especially doesn't like white lilies they are often thrown to the ground and wilt uncontrollably for no reason so pull you put up some white lilies in that room they get knocked over and just die within seconds apparently which is pretty scary. In the green room, the ghosts of a man in a dark suit and a glamorous blonde-haired woman have been seen, but their identities remain unknown. Much of the activity is said to be caused by bad energies within the building. That emanates from leftover energy from the World War II blast, which killed several people, and two known suicides. One man is said to have killed himself by throwing himself off the balcony. Uh, also, a young Victorian girl is known to have taken her own life for unknown reasons. It's said to be the excess energy from these deaths which feeds the spiritual activity. It also, is also reputed that the actor, James Maxwell, likes to return to the theatre in spirit form, probably because the building was close to his heart and he feels at home being one of the original founding members who brought it back to life in the 1970s.
1: Okay interesting I like that
0: yeah it's that it's that I, I mean it sounds like it's like a scene from Ghostbusters in there, doesn't it everything going yeah, on but I, it really does I, 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 there's something about the fact that the building has been through so much trauma and people within it have been through trauma and then there's this emotional attachment of some of the people who worked or helped bring the building back to life i think the whole thing is is an interesting i don't know circle of facts really and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and events so i'm gonna close with the story of the alexandra which is a theater in birmingham and it ties into something you mentioned earlier ben you said that a lot of these ghosts in theatres seem to either have an appreciation for the arts or still want to be part of the place that they've loved so much.
1: Yeah, it seems like it's probably
0: sort of they're there because of passion. Exactly. Well, this ghost tale, this haunted theatre, is really a tale about ghosts who still think they're running the place. So, the Alexandria, which is affectionately referred to as the Alex, has had a somewhat turbulent history over the years. In 1910, barely a decade into its life, and already having changed hands once, the theatre claimed its first victim, when owner Lester Collingwood died in a tragic accident. He was succeeded by Leon Solberg, whose family would go on to run the theatre for the next 65 years but in 1937, Leon died in his office backstage. According to the theatre's historian, Julia Kirby, Leon's spirit still haunts the theatre to this day, even after his office has been transformed into a bar and now into a dressing room. Julia says, During the time in which his old office was a bar, it is said that a tray with a champagne bottle and glasses moved from one end of the bar all by itself. Staff and patrons at the time declared that the room must be haunted by the ghost of Leon. Back in the 60s and 70s, when the theatre produced all of its own shows and wardrobe was a hive of activity, as costumes were designed and made on site, the wardrobe staff would often come in in the morning and find the costumes scattered around the floor, even though they'd left it neatly the night before. They believe it was Leon objecting to the clothes' designs. (laughs) So if they Amazing. if they thought he didn't like the designs, he'd just throw them on the floor and they'd find them scattered in the morning. If he liked them, they'd stay where they were. Frequently, these ghostly apparitions are caught by the cleaning staff early in the morning when few others are around, with one having reported a sighting in the area that is now known as the Ambassador Lounge, but which used to be the bar. So this is connected to the office again. The the historian goes on, very early one morning, a cleaner was in there by herself using her vacuum cleaner. Suddenly, a dimly lit figure came down the steps at the end of the room, waved at her and disappeared through the door at the end of the room. The cleaner screamed and ran. She knew that the only other person in the building was another cleaner who was backstage. Apparently, she refused to ever enter the room again. Could that friendly apparition be Leon still taking care of his theatre? It would appear that he isn't the only one who refuses to give up his post, with the reports of a former stage manager called Mr Turner still walking the halls several years after his death. This ties into something we said earlier as well. One time during a performance of a play called The Scottish Play, during Mm -hmm. the mid-afternoon, as she was coming down from her dressing room An actress came into the crew room and asked, who was that gentleman that passed me on the stairs? She had smiled and said hello to him, but he had ignored her and passed on by. His his clothes seemed oddly old-fashioned too. When she described him to staff in the crew room, they didn't recognise him and said that only they and the actress were in the building. However, one of the older members of staff looked a little confused and said, that sounds like Mr Turner. Mr Turner was a former stage manager who'd almost lived on the premises during his time here. He used to stand on stage jangling his keys and on Sundays sat at the stage door reading the newspapers. However, Mr Turner died five years before. The key jangling has been a sound heard at the theatre on numerous occasions, chillingly and oddly distant, alongside mysterious footsteps walking across the stage. The historian Kirby explained that a technician she had spoken to detailed an experience where those footsteps were heard very clearly with the sound of a dolly truck used for carrying scenery following close behind. Could that sound have been a remnant of an old stagehand returning to their familiar work or could it have been the strange figure seen by the chaperone on tour of the theatre? She reported a figure wearing a top hat and old-fashioned clothes but when she went to look again, he was gone. Later on the tour of the theatre, she heard steps leading into the very same dressing room that was once Leon's office. Some staff have found the grand circle to be the most haunted of all, leaving shivers down the spine and hairs raising as if someone has passed right behind you, despite no one being there at all.
1: I love that. And <clears throat> with all of these stories of haunted premises so many of them start with and then the cleaner and I feel really sorry for (laughs) those guys because they're inevitably there you know by themselves or with like (laughs) one or two other colleagues in the middle of the night particularly if it's a theatre you know trying to get this building ready for the following day yeah and yet this is when the spooks come out and (laughs) Good Lord, I think that's a
0: bitter pill to swallow if you're working those hours. Especially in in pantomime season, there's confetti and crap everywhere and popcorn all over the floor and now I've got to put up with bloody the ghost of Mr Leon complaining I've not cleaned the place properly.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Although I really like the fact that he would read the Sunday papers outside the stage door. I think that's yeah. pretty
0: cool. <laughs> I just imagine him with a little roll-up, Siggy in his hand, kind of reading the papers. I don't know if he's yeah, but yeah. that's that's and the impression a, I got. A nice glass of splosh. Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth pointing out that there are a few factors which may make these stories from a sceptical point of view a little... Uh, little less convincing you know it doesn't really hurt any of these theatres reputations or you know what's the word it kind of reinforces how old and uh, distinguished and i don't know important these places are that they have all these ghostly entities so you can see mm-hmm. why it's in their best interest for these stories to circulate And we know actors, performers, they do like a bit of exaggeration. So I think, as you said earlier, something that may have been, oh, yeah, I just tripped and fell down a step. Well, (laughs) you could see that morphing into a ghostly apparition with chains trip me up and push me. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of exaggeration for various reasons. But I don't know. I just, I love those stories. And I just think... There's something about the wonder and beauty of these buildings and what they were designed for that, you know, yeah, a, a bit of storytelling is not a bad thing. I don't think.
1: No, no, On or not off at the all. Stage. Yeah, and it's like that is part of the mysticism of the theatre. The theatre, for me, is a building that is. Like, you go there for a specific reason, but there's a whole ritual about going there, not just the queuing up, but the, you know, you're getting your drinks and you look at the previous shows and the upcoming shows on the, yeah. well, uh, e- the e- notice Even swords.
0: before that, especially in London, where you've got, you know, because the performances start early, you've got your pre-theatre dinners, right? Yes, You can go have a nice meal yeah. at, like, five o'clock in the afternoon because they get ready for the uh, theatre's opening. Which is, That's I love right. All that.
1: That's right. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah, and like and, you said, the half-time interval and ordering your drinks and the fact they're waiting for you as you, you kind of file out of the, the auditorium. Yeah. It's, it's lovely, and, and the and bell I, going off.
1: I can completely imagine if you were a legendary actor in your time and you got to the point where you were super confident in what you were doing... And then night after night there were these people who were queuing, buying drinks, sitting patiently, having an interval, coming back to see you. That must be addictive. It's not like I I take it back, I don't think it's even an ego thing. It's like it's a fulfillment thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like I can see why perhaps a spirit who has enjoyed that so much, if they know their art that well and they're such a good performer the there must be a real visceral joy in doing that for an audience every night, and so I can see why they wouldn't want to leave it It makes sense
0: yeah and let let alone that, and you add in the fact that we've discussed on the podcast with various people before there's there's something about places with high energy and high emotions that are said to attract mm. spirits and mm. ghosts that's right yeah you know and you've got this re- relatively confined space which is just rammed full of emotion and joy and applause and tears and and all kinds of stuff you can see if there is any truth that spirits are attracted to that the theater would be one of your first stops wouldn't it
1: yes 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 it would it would and like with those emotions it's a that is a very interesting point that you bring up because unlike other parts perhaps almost you know unique in the world that theater it brings joy no matter what the highs and lows of an evening are you know plays and you know pantomimes and everything they leave audiences feeling good, even if it's a tragedy. Like a Shakespearean tragedy normally has, you know, some sort of conclusion that makes the audience feel satisfied that they were there. And so those (laughs) emotions sort of, I can see how they would play out to be satisfying. It's very, very different to other places of high emotion where you can get real sort of significant negativity like yeah. it's it's almost in within the theatre environment, it's predictable. So a spirit who, um, when they were in their corporeal being, performed night after night in plays, which will still be performed after they're gone, they can predict what the emotions will be, and perhaps
0: that is something that feeds their desire to be there. Although there was genuine despair when I went with the in-laws to see chicago <laughs> with the hangover <laughs> that <laughs> that did bring out genuine despair in me <laughs> it was terrible um it was it was that was, bad yeah, well i am not a big musical theater fan i like the kind of kids musical theater but i i i'm such a sort of music buff that i just find that you know you were walking down the street. Bit of it, just yeah, 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 yeah. I have yeah. seen some good. ones. Well, That's unfair. I have seen some good ones. And actually, as I was saying earlier, if you're going to get back to the theatre, some kind of good music, song, and dancey performancey thing might might just work its trick at the moment. With us after we've been in lockdown, might be might be the yeah. way to go, right? I think my, there's
1: probably. My, I was going to say I think there's a difference between you know for example um you know cats which i wouldn't have any time for and the producers which i could see every day of the week and yeah that uh, if i was if i was going to be a ghost and i was an actor in in my limited theatrical
0: experience i'd probably go and hang out at the producers yep and actually while we're on the subjects of theatres Just in case someone is listening, I have to tell you the story of when we went to Pantomime, when my son was just, I don't know, two years old, really small. And we went to the Hackney Empire to see one of the Pantomimes there, which are brilliant. So if you're ever ever in London, you get a chance to go. When things get back to normal, go. It's brilliant. So we were sat in the front row of the circle uh, and my son was sat on my lap. With you know the, one of those quite heavy bottles that toddlers have—they're they're kind of heavy plastic with the little sippy cups, basically. I know the all. Yeah, he was halfway through drinking one of those, <laughs> and I wasn't really paying much attention. And then the next minute, he just lobbed it over the front of the circle into the stalls below. What? I just just saw his arm come back, and he just went woof like that. And it went flying, and it went into the crowd in the stalls. And I was just like, oh, my God. Because if that hit you on the head, it would have really bloody hurt. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, we were... (laughs) me and my wife both saw it and just immediately leaned back and tried to hide it was like somebody was with us going shouldn't you go down there and see if it was right i "I don't want to just leave it just leave it just forget it we'll just pretend it never happened so if it did hit anybody and they're listening i'm very sorry was there (laughs) never any comeback no because it was like we we basically hid like complete cowards and uh we didn't didn't even dare look to see if it had actually hit anyone, but because it, it's quite high, the circle bit's quite high up. Yeah, and he threw he, to his credit, he threw it quite away for a a little two year old or whatever old he was, and he, he just he just loved it. It was just it was just like, oh my god. So uh, yes, everyone's a critic. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I enjoyed. Putting that together, I must say, like I said, probably some of these stories do need to be taken with a, a pinch of salt. But it did make me think there must be some great American theatre stories as well. I just I limited this to Britain just to kind of focus on uh, British ones. But uh, it might be a topic we might want to return to, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it might be quite interesting for any of our American listeners. If you've got like some stories from your local theater perhaps some of the lesser known ones like the broadway ones we can google but if you got some from your local community theater or whatever it'd be really interesting to hear those
0: yeah yeah and actually we should give a shout out to uh the fox sisters theater which are they're, they're big followers of us on facebook the fox sisters as you Probably those of you who've listened to our podcast uh, on Houdini were, were a kind of paranormal act, I guess you described Oh, yeah, them. right. Do you, do you I, it's the same people. OK. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, they, the Fox Sisters Theatre does follow us and uh, gives us lots of likes and praise on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So big shout out to them and uh, maybe we should get them on to talk about some of this. There must be some strange stories that go on at that place, right?
1: oh yeah no that'd be that'd be fascinating okay yeah no that's uh that's a follow-up w- worthy of uh, this episode yeah and um i guess this episode is going out on well it's easter monday in the uk yeah and you know it's like we said it's getting warmer although there's snow forecast for, <laughs> for easter monday for where we live <laughs> but um it's sort of one of those natural breaks in the year after, this is the first one sort of since Christmas. So I hope everyone yeah. uh, is is doing really well. I hope everyone's really positive about all the, the fact that we're all getting our vaccinations. It seems like it's going in the right direction yeah. in the UK and the US. Wherever you are listening, I hope it's going in the right direction. And, yeah, I'd
0: just like to add to that actually. Yeah. During this Easter break, because it's really easy to kind of go, oh, we've all been stuck at home and all the days seem to mer- merge into one, don't they? And yeah, everything they seems do. to merge into one. And uh, I was talking with my family, we're going to try and really make it feel like it's a special Easter rather than it's just another day. Because if you're tempted to go, yeah. oh, I'm just going to keep working and doing all that kind of stuff. But yes, we, yes, yes. So if you can, take some time and try and make it a special event i would
1: say yeah absolutely and and if you don't make it a special event just eat loads of chocolate um and while you're doing that while whilst you're chewing on your easter egg just just tell someone about our podcast it would be really really useful if you could um if you enjoy it if you don't keep it to yourself for the love of god and um
0: well, will yeah. uh, and i we'll don't want any eggs but just give us a new listener
1: right
0: oh no, absolutely yeah don't I send don't, us an I, egg just send us new listeners we don't i re
1: them. no no i asked my partner no no eggs please like i've got to that age where like, i can't afford to buy any bigger jeans i just can't it, <laughs> it, ha- it has to start going in the other direction <laughs>
0: yeah, so
1: i'm, I'm just going to have easter extra lean ham
0: yeah it's yeah. what jesus would have wanted yeah well uh ben and i are gonna take off our stage makeup and go and have a drink in the bar how about that
1: that's that's a good idea but i will be like standing in the the wings to spook someone i <laughs> sa- i say that i won't i'll just be i'll just go and eat dinner and have a shower
0: yeah, you'll be in the bar. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll I'll be in the bar. We'll, we'll see you. We'll see you next time on the corner. See you in a week. Bye. Bye. the quantum mechanics.